Amen, amen. You can have a seat. And uh, so encouraged just by that opportunity to pour out our praise to God, that God puts breath in our lungs so that we would not just praise Him on Sunday, but that we would praise Him every day of the week in everything. And so it's, uh, it's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, and it's a good opportunity for us to focus on racial justice. Uh, if you've been a part of Redemption for a while, you know that we're seeking to increase our attention in our uh, intention to be justice seekers, not just to be racially uh, seeking after racial reconciliation, and that's important, right? Uh, but to, to seek racial justice through the work of anti-racism. Uh, so one of my friends, one of our leaders, uh, Frenchie Hoder, is going to share a reflection as well as uh, lead us in a time of prayer. Frenchie's also a missionary with InterVarsity. She serves on the campus of uh, Wellesley University. So welcome, uh, Frenchie, as she leads us here today. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, so like Tanner said, in light of tomorrow being a day of re remembrance for um, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we are setting aside a portion of today's service to reflect on his work for justice. Also the ways that we as a church are joining in the continuation of that work and the ways that we have been complicit in preventing that work from going forth. So I wanna begin by naming that I'm not an expert on Dr. King, nor the civil rights movement, nor the injustices that have crossed racial lines that we've seen more recently. I also want to acknowledge that I can only speak from my own limited experience, my perspective. I'm a 24-year-old, cisgendered, married, Ecuadorian-American woman. I have been on a journey with God of understanding my own ethnicity and my racial biases over the last three years or so, and have been intentionally learning about how this country sees race, but I am far from finished with either of these. I like to say that I'm in process, and maybe you can resonate with that. A friend of mine said this well. She said, in a time like ours right now, we long for leaders who are honest, who can acknowledge mistakes, admit responsibility, and make a commitment to change that is marked by a soft, not defensive heart. And while it's easy to point out there and say, you need to get it together, the call for the follower of Jesus is to engage in lamentation of the evil around us that we are hurt by, both as participants and as those on the underside, to confess our places of sinful action or inaction and name the ways our souls have been sick and to repent anew, asking for the spirit of God to help us walk in his ways. So to help us sit with God and with one another in the tension of honoring Dr. King and also acknowledging that justice has not yet come in full in our land, I have borrowed a prayer from a friend and pastor at a local church in East Boston. As you're able, please join me in standing. Let the words of this prayer and the pauses of silence stretch us out before God in humility and honesty so we can be met by grace. Let us pray. God, you have given your presence, your voice, your body, to speak good news to the poor, to break the chains of oppression, to open the eyes of those who cannot see, to set free those in captivity. Yet we perpetuate evil 
make empire king. Forget ourselves, forget you, our king. Forgive us. You have called us to sow righteousness and reap steadfast love, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you, our God. Instead, we have sown seeds of division and discord, of pride and selfishness, seeds of power-loving greed, of violence, of hypocrisy, seeds of envy, of deceit, of oppression, seeds fraught with fear and contempt of others. We reap a bitter harvest, injustice, unrighteousness, oppression, unrest. Look upon us, Lord. We are helpless to save ourselves. Teach us to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. Forgive our cowardice, numbness, superiority, and prejudice. Grant us true, deep repentance and holistic transformation of life, that we may serve you faithfully and enduringly in the cause of your peace, justice, and righteousness. Let us be those long-suffering disciples who embody and bear witness to your promised shalom. God, help us today and always to show up, to speak, to stretch out for sister, for brother, for neighbor, like you. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks so much, Frenchie. Uh, I just want to add my prayer to that as we uh, prepare to enter into a time of spending with God in his word. Father, we thank you for uh, just Frenchie and, and, and her leadership here today. And God, we, we agree and we uh, echo that uh, we have not arrived, Lord, that we're in process. And Lord, that even some of the things that you've been stirring in our hearts since the fall, Lord, that uh, maybe we've been slow to pray into or slow to take action on. So God, would you continue to move us out day by day as we gain your heart to love all people and to treat all people as you would have us treat them, Lord, as you love them, as you see them, as you uh, serve them uh, by your grace. So God, uh, forgive us. Cleanse us and move us out to greater action, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would, go ahead and open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Mark. We're going to start in, cha uh, in chapter 1 and, and start in verse 14 this morning. I'm going to be reading verses 14 through 20 as we consider the call of Christ today. So uh, follow along with me as I read these words for us. Mark writes, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Now, I want these words to sink deep into your souls this morning. That's why I'm going to read them again, and I'm going to read them out of a different translation, just for a fresh reading, for us to hear these words again out of the New Living Translation that say this. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. These moments mark the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus Christ. His actions set the tone for his mission and his words extend a very clear call explaining to us what it means to follow Jesus in all of life with everything we are. It's critical that we not only understand what Jesus is saying here, but that we weigh our own hearts with honesty this morning in terms of where we are. I'm talking about today, right now, January 17th, 2021. Where is my commitment to Jesus in light of these words? How fully am I following him with my life. Because you see, this morning, we all need to understand in the room and worshiping online, wherever you are, that following Jesus does not happen because we call ourselves Christians or because we've been baptized or because we live a moral life. Following Jesus fully does not happen because we read our Bible and pray, as important as that is. It doesn't happen because we're part of this church or, let me say, even a leader in this church. And I raise my hand because I'm one of the leaders. It doesn't happen. Listen, it doesn't happen because you followed Jesus fully in the past surrendering everything over to him. Following Jesus fully today happens because you answer his call, 
you live in what we're going to call today the multiplication middle, and you pay the price of discipleship. Answer his call, live in the multiplication middle, and pay the price of discipleship. The first thing that we see here, the first encouragement I have for you this morning is to answer the call of Christ. When I say answer, I'm talking about responding favorably to his call with resolute action. Jesus puts forth two calls here in verses 14 through 17, which are really one and the same call. He says, repent and believe and follow me. We need to understand two key terms as we break these calls down. Number one, gospel. Number two, kingdom. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that God is redeeming people for himself and restoring his good creation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. I see many of you writing this down. The gospel is the good news that God is redeeming people for himself and restoring his good creation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see here in verse 14 that Mark says that Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of God. It means that it's God's gospel. It's his good news. It announces what he has done for us. It's the gospel of God because it is news about God and it comes from God. He is the source of the good news. We aren't in charge of the good news. It's not our uh, uh, a job or, or in our authority to change the good news, okay? We just share the good news and preach the good news out of what Jesus has declared to us in the gospel of God. But then you ask, what is, what is the kingdom? Pastor Tanner, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God refers to the reign of God as he accomplishes his redemptive purposes and pours out his blessing on his people. I'll say it one more time. The kingdom refers to the reign of God. When you think kingdom, think the word reign. If you, don't miss, if you miss every other word in this uh, description or definition, just underline the word reign. The kingdom refers to the reign of God as he accomplishes his redemptive purposes and pours out his blessing on his people. Did you know that the kingdom is mentioned 126 times in the New Testament. Most of those occurrences happening in the four gospels as Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And notice how proclaiming the kingdom of God and proclaiming the gospel of God, they go together so much so that in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus would say the, the gospel of the kingdom. They go together. Jesus says the time is fulfilled. He, he's talking about a new age dawning. The age of promise is giving way to the age of fulfillment. The time of salvation has arrived. The, the, the prophetic announcement as early as the third chapter of the Bible in Genesis 3.15 that God would send a redeemer is now being fulfilled before the eyes of the people in the arrival of Jesus Christ. This is massive news. It is really, really, really good, great news for us to hear and consider and heed today. 
When Jesus says the kingdom is at hand, he means the kingdom has come near. It's, it's right here. It's right in front of you. It's right in your midst. Why is that? It's because the king of the kingdom has arrived. So, so as I've said uh, the last two weeks, like everything that we read here in the introduction to Mark, the prologue, it is pointing us to everything that we're going to read in the next 16 chapters. We have to understand these opening verses. Everything that Jesus said, everything that Jesus did is a reflection of the kingdom of God. Truth, righteousness, justice we just prayed for. Kingdom of God. Alleviating, removing, suffering. Kingdom of God. Most of all, restoring our relationship, our broken relationship with God. Bringing us salvation, the kingdom of God of God. As we will see throughout Mark and the rest of the New Testament, the kingdom is both a now and not yet reality. In other words, it is at hand, it is right here, it has come, and yet it will come fully, it will be fully realized when Jesus returns because we know there's still injustice in our world and there's still suffering and there's still a lot of people that don't love Jesus and that includes us some days. And so the kingdom is now and not yet. It's an urgent announcement that demands an appropriate response. And you say, well, what is that response? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repentance means turning from our sin. There, there are so many people, again, I just said, ourselves included, that, that many days we don't want to live under the reign of God. We want the authority. We want autonomy. So we do our own thing. And Jesus says, you've got to turn from that lifestyle. You've got to turn from living for yourself. You've got to turn from living a sinful life, which then leads us to the second part of that call is believing in me. When we turn from our sin and repentance, we are turning to Jesus and we are believing in what he has done in his life, death, and resurrection that brings us life. And so I hope you can see, even in that imagery, we're talking about two sides of the same coin. As Kim Huat Tan says, we repent believingly and we believe repentantly. And so I just need to be very clear this morning, uh, wherever you are, wherever you hear my voice, in the room, online, watching on social media, whatever it is, okay, listen, you will not enter the kingdom of God. That means you will not have a real relationship with God. Even if you believe God exists and you like, you, you think, you know, like you're, you're good with him, okay, like you're not good with him unless you repent and believe, you will not have eternal life unless you repent and believe in Jesus Christ. So today, perhaps, is the day for some of you that are saying, God, I have not treated you as king of the world or king of my life, and I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn from living for myself. I need you to forgive me and make me new, save me. I want to live under your authority. I want to give you my entire life. I trust in what Jesus did in his life, death, and resurrection to bring me new life. If that's you today, stop right now and say, God, that is me. I want this new life that Jesus offers me. I want to enter into your kingdom. Just cry out to God right now. 
Say, God, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm all in with you. But there's another part of this message that we can't miss. Because so many times Christians get it twisted. That means we kind of, we mess it up. We don't understand fully, okay? Like, we, we think that repentance and faith is just like the entry point. I repent, I believe, I'm good. I repent, I believe, I'm good to go. Uh, my ticket to heaven is punched. But repentance and, and faith, repenting and believing is something that we do every single day of our lives. Last week, we talked about how as children of God, that God loves us, that he takes pleasure in us. That is 100% true. If you are in Christ, you cannot be more loved. God cannot take more delight in you than he does right now. But listen, that doesn't mean that God loves everything that we do. It doesn't mean that he takes pleasure in everything that we do. In fact, our sin grieves the heart of God. It brings him great sorrow when we turn from him again and we pursue other things that, that he has said are not good for us. And when that happens, we have to repent again and believe again, trusting alone in Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, repent and believe, and then he says, follow me. The second call further explains the first call. To repent and believe is to answer Jesus' call to follow me. When we turn from sin and self, we are necessarily turning to Jesus Christ. There's a cost, Pastor John in the welcome mentioned what we read in the Bible this week, that there's a cost of discipleship. We deny ourselves and we take up our cross. That's repentance and then follow me, which is a great reward. It's always worth it. It is the greatest adventure in life. Never boring, never dull. Full of life, abundant life. Thank you, God. Repent and believe. Follow me. Jesus is not inviting us to a philosophy. He's not inviting us to a system. He's not inviting us to a set of rules. He's inviting us to himself. Which leads us to the second encouragement today. We not only answer the call, but we live in the multiplication middle. Live in the multiplication. Pastor Tanner, what are you talking about? I'm going to explain it in just a minute. But what we need to see here in verses uh, 16 and 17 is that Jesus was passing along the Sea of Galilee, okay, this, this large body of water. It was uh, 14 miles long by six miles wide, known for its fishing industry. And he sees these brothers, Simon and Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he says to them, calls out, did you know that Jesus, I love this. All right, are you ready for this? You might want to write this down. All right, Jesus will have the audacity to interrupt your workday. Jesus might just have the audacity to interrupt your whole life. Drop the nets. Peter, Andrew, drop the nets. Oh, I see two more. James, John, drop the nets. Come and live in, I'm, uh, Brian Shippey, my friend at Banner Hill Church, shout out Framingham. All right, he talks about the multiplication middle. 
That's what Jesus invites us to here. What I'm talking about is this. Jesus says to me and to you and to all of us in the middle, he says, follow me. But as we follow him, we will necessarily take what he gives us, what we receive, and we will give it to other people. And so we can't help but help others follow Jesus. Jesus is always in the lead, and we are what? Always, hopefully, in the middle because we are taking what we receive, and we are pouring it out. That's the multiplication middle. And so I want to consider each one of these parts of the equation. Follow me means Jesus multiplying himself into me. It means Jesus multiplying himself into you if you follow him. This is really, really good news. This should have you on the edge of your seat here this morning and on your couch at your home. There's some important things that we need to note here in this call. When Jesus says, follow me, it's actually a Greek idiom that's literally literally translated out, come after me. So again, Jesus is inviting us into a relationship. He's inviting us to follow him in all of his ways. Discipleship is a relationship of learning from a master teacher. But Jesus' actions here are unique in at least two ways, as pointed out by one of my old mentors and friends, Dr. Danny Aiken. He says this, in the rabbinic schools of the day, the aspiring student sought out the respected rabbi. Further, the student's allegiance was to the law, not to the teacher. Jesus' form of discipleship is fundamentally different. Jesus seeks them out and their allegiance is to him. In his grace, Jesus is calling us to himself. This is about a relationship where we walk so closely with him that we see what he's about and we learn what he says and we see what he teaches about the kingdom of God and then it becomes part of who we are. I love what Mark Edwards says. He says, discipleship is repeatedly defined in Mark by simple proximity to Jesus, being with him, sitting around him, hearing him and following him on the way. That is why. This, this, we're, we're camping out the gospel of Mark this year, and we're really excited about it, by the way. Um, so this is why for our 2021 vision, we're focused on walking with Jesus, spending time with Jesus. We're, we're, our, the, the vision focus, if we would just get this one thing accomplished this year is we want to collectively as a church spend one million minutes with Jesus this year in, in focused face-to-face time with God. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a mathematician, but if my math is correct, that means that just this week, as we've jumped into to this uh, invitation, we've already spent 21,000 minutes with God and focus face-to-face time with him. And, and, and just d- d- don't, don't miss this here. Like, why? Oh, we, I shared a lot of whys last week. If you want some why on why to spend at least 15 minutes in your day, like go back and listen to last week's sermon if you missed it. But I got another one. Why, why do I wake up? 
Why did I set the alarm for 5.30 on Thursday and my son woke up uh, twice in the night and so I actually got up at 6.15, but I spent some quality time, yes, with God on Thursday morning. But why did I do that? It's so that Jesus could multiply himself into me. It's so that I can just sit with him and receive from him. As, I don't know about you, like, anyone who just want to raise your hand, like, hey, yeah, I need some multiplication of Jesus into me. Yeah, like, I know, I, know, I know most of you, and you need some work. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are not exactly like Jesus yet. I love you. Okay, we're in the same boat. Like, we need more of Jesus into us. That's why we spend focused face-to-face time with God. And you may say, Tanner, I, I know even we heard this this week in, in community group, uh, just in a, a moment of honesty and vulnerability. I love how we can be honest and vulnerable with one another. Someone spoke up and he said, you know what? I, I, I'm coming into this vision with, with like a pretty heavy dose of shame. Because it's not just been days since I've spent consistent, focused face-to-face time with God. It's been It's been weeks. Maybe for you, it's been months. Maybe for you, it's been years. I, listen, your performance does not change God's love for you. Jesus is coming after you. He's calling you again, saying, follow me. Let me multiply myself into you day by day, and, and you will watch your life change before your eyes. We're here to help you in this. That's why if you go to www.rhc.church forward slash Bible reading, or you just go to the app and pull it up, Bible reading, and you'll see it. We've prepared some resources for you. On our webpage, you'll see options where you can find our Bible reading plan. We're just offering a, a plan through the New Testament, 260 days in the New Testament. That's five days a week reading one chapter where you can spend that focused face-to-face time with God. You say, well, I'm glad you gave me the chapter. Okay, it's Luke 11 tomorrow. I can open Luke 11. What do I do when I open up Luke 11? Well, we've also prepared a devotional guide for you as well, where you prepare your heart to, to, to meet with God. You, you listen to God primarily through his word and in prayer you talk to God and you have this beautiful conversation and time with God as you grow in that. I want to encourage everyone, everyone, 100, you go, like, even if you're new and you're like, you, maybe just maybe I'm going to come back to Redemption Hill and, and join or keep watching online. Like, we want to invite everyone in on this Bible reading plan. We're talking about one chapter. We're talking about devoting four minutes of your day, probably, to a chapter. He's like, well, Pastor Tanner, I'm like reading this devotional and I've already got my Bible reading plan. I'm going to be really like, hey, go above and beyond. We said it last week, we'll never limit the time that you're trying to spend with the, with the Lord. All right, but just saying, add this to your plan. Because there's something beautiful when we live in community together. There's something beautiful that our relationships and our conversations will take on a new and deeper meaning when we're reflecting on the same truths of God together. We can encourage one another in a different way. We can walk together in deeper community. And just as another side note, you can also uh, open up our app, and at the bottom, you'll see the Bible tab, and then you can click on the calendar, and then as you click on the calendar, and we go back to Friday, uh, magically, Luke 10 appears. 
How amazing is that? Thank you, Jim Musel and our communications team for making it happen. Pastor John for putting it all together. We're here to help you in your pursuit of God. And listen, I promise you, as you spend, I'm saying, look, I'm going to qualify the promise with sincere and honest time. As you spend sincere and honest, focused face-to-face time with God, I promise you, you will be able to answer our first essential question of the year, which is, how is God changing you? You can't truly dwell in the presence of God. Like, hey, there have been times when I've showed up for my devotional time and I've just been going through the motions and I've been there more for me than him and I haven't been changed at all. But when I'm there with sincerity, when I'm there to say, God, change me, you're working on me, I need work, I wanna draw near to you, I want Jesus to be multiplied into me, I'm just telling you, as I do that day by day by day, God, in his grace, continues to change me. And I know he will do the same for you. But that's just, listen, (laughs) that's just one side of the multiplication equation. Not only is Jesus multiplying himself into us as we heed the call to follow him, but he invites us to give what we receive. So the the second side of this multiplication middle is, and I will make you fishers of men. Now we multiply ourselves into others. I love how Jesus uses this very brilliant and personal metaphor. He says, hey, fishermen, follow me and I will show you what it means to fish for people. He's calling them to action. He's calling them to pour themselves out. He's calling them not just to an intimate relationship with God, intimacy, but also ministry to give our lives away for the sake of others. But notice, I love how how Jesus puts it here in Mark. He says, I will make you become fishers of men. We need to understand that only the transforming work of Jesus in our souls will move us to move toward other people. Only the transforming work of Jesus in our souls will change us so that we really, really want to, yes, it's not too bold to say, we live to bring his change to others. That's why God made you, church. He didn't make you to show up on Sunday. Listen, let me explain what corporate worship is about. Worship, this this is about discipleship. I show up because I'm trying to help people follow Jesus in all of life, and I'm trying to learn to do the same. So so 70 minutes or 60 minutes now with COVID sometimes, maybe not usually when I'm preaching, but uh, it's like 75 minutes, whatever, is like it's for focused face-to-face time with God. That's why we show up. But, But it's not just for us. We don't just go to groups to receive, receive, receive for us. We receive so that we give it away. This is what we call disciple making. There's a really helpful visual that I want to show you here this morning because when it comes to disciple making, this call to fish for people, that's called disciple making. Uh, We often fall into one of two errors. On the one hand, sometimes we live as if 
disciple-making were only about introducing people to Jesus so that they can begin their journey with Jesus. We call that evangelism, proclaiming the good news so that people will place their faith in Jesus, experience salvation, and follow him. But there are others who live as if disciple-making only exists to help others grow to follow Jesus in all of life. We call that discipleship. Now, I, I know that you probably lean in one direction or the other, and listen, that is perfectly fine. That's how God has made you, shaped you, filled you with his spirit. That's to be applauded. But to make disciples is not one or the other, it's both. Disciple-making is evangelism plus discipleship. It's introducing people to Jesus and helping those people grow to follow Jesus in all of life. This is our call. The multiplication middle says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. So, so listen, as we live in this multiplication middle, as you receive to give, as you spend intimate moments with God, not just 15 minutes, but throughout your day, and then he's pushing you out to, to ministry, we, do, we, we see all that so that we can pour our lives into other people, which will enable us to answer that second essential question of this year. Not only how is God changing you, but how is God bringing, changing others through you? How is God changing others through you? Answer my call. Live in the multiplication medal. And then finally, pay the price of discipleship. All throughout the gospel of Mark, remember we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about the words of the king. So, so highlighted on display in every chapter of the gospel of Mark is the authority of King Jesus. If the word king makes you uncomfortable about Jesus, it says something about your heart that you probably need to repent and believe, by the way. Again, maybe. But what we see in Mark is authority, authority, authority. I love how Mark Strauss puts it. He says that when Jesus speaks, demons are put to flight. Diseases are healed, storm waves are calmed, and experts in debate are rendered speechless. Jesus speaks and acts with the authority of God. And so the question for us today is, do we hear his voice? Are we responding to his authority? Jesus puts forth this urgent call that carries a great cost. The cost of discipleship, listen, is nothing less than radical surrender. It's saying, my life belongs to you unequivocally with no conditions. That's the cost of discipleship. Radical surrender. Look at verse 18. Simon and Andrew, what do they do? Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. James and John, verse 20, immediately they left their father Zebedee in the boat and followed him. What did they do? They dropped their nets. 
to, to, to leave family, to leave their father behind. It's hard for us to understand how radical and revolutionary that was in the first century where family was everything, where to leave your closest relationships behind to follow this, this perhaps Messiah, uh, it, it would have been radical. But then not only did they leave their family behind, they left their vocation behind. They left their financial security behind, which perhaps for us is the, the more difficult, like not the first century, but the 21st century to say, hey, I'm calling you to leave your vocation, to follow me, to drop your nets. That may be the greater cost for us. Jesus, don't you know how hard I've worked? Don't you see the degrees on my wall? Jesus, don't you, don't you know how successful I've been so far and all the dreams that I have in my workplace? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 give it up, follow me. Jesus still does that, by the way. Not always, he calls us to work, right? He calls us to certain vocations to glorify him in that workspace. And that's amazing. You follow Jesus right there where you are. But regardless, whatever, the, the point is this, Jesus is the priority. We surrender. Whatever he asks for, we surrender. It's a costly call. Again, Dr. Aiken says this, the call to follow Jesus is clear and unconditional. In essence, I love this, he puts before us a blank contract. And he says, sign at the bottom and I will fill in the details. Jesus is saying, here's the dotted line, you sign, but I will fill it in. That's the kind of radical surrender we're invited to. There's going to be a cost to following him. There's going to be a cost to helping others follow him. But Jesus says, drop the nets. Drop the nets. Answer the costly call to follow Jesus and help others do the same. Drop the nets. Again, I don't know each of your stories. I don't know where you are today. But I know for some of you that are hearing my voice in the room or online, wherever you are, whatever time you watch this message, Jesus is calling to you saying, you need to turn from the life you're living and turn to follow me. Drop the nets. And if you need to do that today, listen, Jesus is calling to you. Maybe you feel that tug at your heart right now. That's called the Holy Spirit of God saying, this is true. Believe in Jesus. Leave it all behind. Follow him. Just cry out to God today and say, God, my life is yours. I want to follow you. And if you're doing that, let us know so that we can help you in your journey, so we can fo follow up with you and, and help you along the way. You can go to our app where there's an opportunity to let us know of your decision to follow Jesus by filling out that connect card on the homepage. Just to say, I'm stepping into the life of Christ. I am following Jesus for the first time. But then for, for those of you who have followed Jesus, perhaps for a year or two, like many of you in our church, or maybe for decades, you need to hear the costly call again. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. 
Jesus still calls to us in his love and mercy. He invites us in to a greater story. Maybe some of you are hearing his call today and you want to start making intentional discipleship investments to help someone else follow Jesus in all of life. Maybe some of you are saying, you know what? I serve in the church and I love being a part of a group and I love being a part of a team, but maybe God's calling you to step into leadership to help others in groups, to help others in teams, to be a leader. Perhaps for someone or someones, you hear Jesus say, drop the nets. And it's not just to interrupt your day, it's to interrupt the plans that you have for your life and vocation. You hear Jesus saying, listen, I want you to give your life in ministry and mission. God still does that. Let me talk to you about Dr. Steve Agbula. He heard the call of Jesus to drop the nets on the shores of MGH. And he wrestled and he prayed, wanting to make sure God is this like, there's a cost. There's a cost of ambition. There's a cost of experience. There's a cost of education. Not that God's not using all that. There's a cost of financial security. Follow me. Drop the nets. He's doing that with other people in our church that are answering the call to ministry and mission. Here in the city, dreams to go overseas, East Asia. There are people in our church that are preparing for these things. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're hearing and you feel like the the spirit is tugging at your heart and you don't even know what that means. Listen, we wanna help you discern. We wanna help you. We wanna pray with you, walk with you. And so I also wanna, if you hear Jesus in any way saying, drop the nets, what I wanna ask you to do is go go to the app, click the connect card and in the prayer slot, just write those three words, drop the nets. Because we wanna follow up. We wanna help you. I stand before you here today as someone who dropped the nets. And I get emotional about it because there's, there's no greater decision I could have ever made in my life than to drop the nets. To, to, to sign on the bottom line and say, Jesus, whatever that means, leave my family, call my South Georgia wife to the snow. Come on, Jesus, really? drop the nets. Thank you, God, for the call to drop the nets. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe. Follow me. Let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit right now, God, right now, would speak in the hearts And speak to souls, saying, drop the nets. Call us out. Call us into your life. Call us to a greater adventure, whatever that means. 
You are worthy. You are good. There's nothing greater than knowing you and making you known. And so, God, we ask you to do it today for your name, for your fame. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you grab a seat? I've got a few announcements I want to share with you before we wrap up today. Um, first, I just want to encourage you, one of the ways as a church we help people to follow Jesus in all of life is through groups. Um, right now, we've got nine community groups. So if you're like, I want to continue to follow Jesus, a great next step you can take, take with us is connecting with a group. You can find all of our groups listed on the website. If you open up the app on the homepage there and just go to groups, you'll see all of our community groups. But in particular, a number of our equip groups are kicking off this week. And equip groups are... It, in, in a more particular way, how to help you follow Jesus in particular areas of life. One of those is called Financial Peace University. That's to help you follow Jesus with how do you steward the money that God's given you. Hey, check. I've got Jay and Taylor here with me. They lead this equip group, and uh, Taylor wanted to just share a few no notes with you guys uh, about the group. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Taylor Milhouse, and this is my husband, Jay. We took Financial Peace University here in 2016, and it radically changed our lives and relationship, and we've been teaching it here ever since. Those aren't really two words that ever go together in the same sentence, right? Finances and peace. You know, just like the video said, 78% of people struggle with living paycheck to paycheck. And maybe that's from um, feeling weighed down by debt, um, or maybe it's something more practical, like a job loss or insecurity in 2020. You know, or maybe there's just too much month left at the end of the money. We know we've been there. You know, or maybe you're thinking you're okay, and you're, you're on a good path with your finances, but you just have questions. Am I doing enough? Am I on the best path for the future? We're covering all that and more in financial peace. We're knocking out budgeting. Uh, getting out of debt and savings, the big three. And we're also hitting life topics, 401ks, investments, retirement. Am I saving enough? Insurance, anything related to insurance, we're covering at FPU. Mortgages, buying and owning a home in one of the most expensive markets in the country. And then, of course, the biblical approach to giving and your newfound financial freedom. So how can you join us? We're starting next Tuesday, 8 p.m. on Zoom. We are a, it's a video-based lesson that you watch during the week on your own. And you join us on Tuesday nights for accountability, action plans, and discussion. We're having an info session this Tuesday, 8 o'clock, completely optional, on Zoom again. If you have any questions or interest or anything you want to you wanna discuss, Lastly, the least fun part, there is a cost to joining us. It's $100 per household. So my, my married couples and my engaged couples, it's buy one, get one free. You only need one to split. Um, and one last thing, if that $100 is the only reason you can't join us, I want you to reach out to me, Jay or Pastor John. We have scholarships available to help you on your journey to your newfound financial peace. And we really hope you'll join us. Great, yeah, thank you guys. So you can go let uh, Jay or Taylor know today or on that group, on the apps. If you'll just go and register and say, I'm interested in financial peace 
and they'll follow up and help you with your next step. Um, two other groups I want to mention real quick. Another one starting this Thursday night is Read the Bible for Life. I'm going to be leading that one. It's entirely on Zoom, and it's really just helping you understand how to read the Bible. You may be like, hey, I want to read this reading plan, but I just mean the Bible's intimidating to me. There are sections that are hard. We're going to cover general principles, but also Old Testament and New Testament. Go on the app or on the website. Let me know you're interested. That one's going to be on Zoom. And then there's another one called uh, on racial justice. Just keeping this discussion going in our church is going to be going through Be the Bridge curriculum. Dates and leaders are not assigned yet, but th this is more of just, hey, let us know if you're interested. We've already had five or six say they're interested, and they this is just gathering together, discussing how's a church. We can continue to take steps to grow in this area. So groups are kicking off this week. Hey, go and take your next step.